when did you first fall in love with hip hop? Welcome to another episode of Commentary. This episode was recorded in 2002 for the DVD release of Brown Sugar. Our guests today are co-writer and director Rick Famuyiwa and editor Dirk Westervelt. This is a really sweet commentary. At some point, Mr. Famuyiwa mentions that since they had really challenging post-production process on the movie, he wanted to bring on the editor, Mr. Westervelt, to do the commentary with him. And I love this refocusing or reframing of the process of filmmaking as a democratic and collaborative one because so often the film business spotlights directors and to a lesser extent producers in a way that makes it seem to the public like they're the only ones that made the movie. But this commentary was really a dialogue between these two collaborators and Mr. Famuyiwa really drives home the fact that it's as much the editor's film as it is his own. Brown Sugar is a very musical film and you can hear that in the commentary too from the very beginning in like the documentary style opening of the movie and later on in the two talking about how they decided to use their signature jump cuts in the movie to convey the style of hip-hop music which the lives of both of the main characters really revolves around and Mr. Famuyiwa mentions his inspirations behind the look of the film which interestingly also comes from a musical background they talk about their fight with the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association, and having to make cuts to get a PG-13 rating, despite there not really being anything in the movie to begin with to warrant an R rating. Racism. Racism. <clears throat> One of the more interesting things about the commentary is how it gives context to the time in which the movie was made. They mentioned the commentary was recorded the next day after the film's premiere party, and they discuss what it was like to be the first production to shoot in New York City just a month after the September 11th attacks in 2001. And they talk about having a very tight-knit crew and mention how they pay homage to the city and the film in different ways. It's a great episode filled with many, many more interesting stories and bits of trivia from the making of the movie. And the two guests are smart, passionate, funny, nerdy, and really love the movie that they made. If you haven't seen Brown Sugar, I highly encourage it. If you have, Take this one on the road with you. It's a very solid 4 out of 5 on the listenable scale. And if you're streaming the movie and you want to sync up the commentary, hit play when you hear this sound. Here are co-writer and director Rick Famuyiwa and editor Dirk Westervelt in 2002 for Brown Sugar. up Rick Famuyiwa co-writer and director Derek Westervelt picture editor honored beer the picture man the cutting god hey <laughs> best part of the film maybe it's a, uh, yeah. blew the whole visual effects budget on this yeah exactly now we uh, wanted to to do something a little interesting for the title sequence and kind of tie everything into the world of hip hop. So we got this nice footage from our DP on a second unit day, just kind of random of these uh, subways. And uh, just kind of from there, that got this whole concept of uh, kind of the graffiti and the subways and 
and the split screens and the albums and just created a wanted to create an interesting little title sequence. Some of this um, this subway footage out the windows, the the kind of monochrome orange stuff, was actually shot on uh, digital video and and uh, you know manipulated that way and incorporated into the the whole there. Turntables, the mic. I think it was 1977. People are rocking in the parks. I can remember back in the Bronx, 19s. And this, um, just wanted to show what the film was about, kind of right off the top. That it's about hip hop. It's about the love of hip hop. And so, getting the actual artists who were creating the music at the time and still are today was a an important part. And we were able to get a ton of people to come answer the question when they fell in love with hip-hop and we cut it together and this is kind of where we first started playing with uh, the idea of jump cuts and that's uh, something we'll see throughout the, the film but just kind of, you know, using uh, the style of the music, you know, because it's about sampling and, and turntablism and DJing. And, and so we kind of wanted to convey that with the, the editing style. And it started here with this uh, title sequence and montage with the, the hip-hop artists and producers and, and writers. By Run DMC, Sucker MCs live. Grandmaster Flash on the wheels of steel. Grandmaster Cass. Big Daddy. <laughs> Suck MCs live. <laughs> and it was great for me because I grew up listening to all these guys. So, you know, each day we would get someone to come on the set. It was just like, you know, I, I had my autograph book and camera <laughs> to, to see all these guys that I, I grew up listening to their music. This is it. This is what I want to do. I was in. It was freedom. I remember the exact day I fell in love with hip-hop. It was interesting how, you know, they were hitting on a lot of the same sort of points that they sort of complemented each other when the thing yeah. really came together. It was definitely, you know, you can see there was a, a, a theme emerging with with the message and, and Melly Mel and, and uh, African Bambata that kind of, you know, I think inspired a lot of folks. They were kind of the create the creators of the music. Here we are in the Bronx. We wanted to shoot the film in New York because this was where hip hop was born. And uh, quite, you know, literally, we were in the South Bronx, where uh, a lot of uh, the music was bubbling up. And this is kind of the uh, this is our little flashback when uh, folks were pop-locking and break-dancing and, you know, breaking their necks, trying to spin on their heads. This was, this was our, our little homage to that. And these people were amazing that you found. Yeah, yeah, we had this great open audition for, for break-dancers, and, and our production offices was, was filled with, like, you know, 500... <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like pop lockers and break dancers. Some, some very good. Some not so good. 
Some kind of look like me and Dirk <laughs> trying to break dad's foot. Kick worm in the cutting room. You know, I had a, I had a pretty good kick worm, though. Yours is Yeah. Yours is good. They were pretty nice. Young, young Dre and Sydney. I wanted to see, you know, I wanted to tell a story of what hat would happen to two people who kind of met when hip-hop was bubbling up. I mean, right there with people who were actually involved. So we wanted to get people who were there. And we, we, we approached Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick and Dana Dane, and they, uh, they wanted to be a part of it. So this is kind of a, you know interesting thing because we're we're playing it as 1986 or something and you know obviously these guys are like a little older put on a little more weight but uh it was cool to have to be a part of it so we didn't have any complaints about that really like yeah. the or something didn't, didn't no one kind of slid by i think yeah people you know i think people are just happy to see it and hear slick's distinct voice yeah magic <laughs> this is a you know scene like many in the movie where there was so, so many great bits and pieces that, yeah. that, that one of the real challenges is try to you know get as much of it in as possible yeah because we had them just you know they they each wrote like uh a verse a piece and had this little cypher and just started uh rhyming and uh so yeah just trying to pick <laughs> when to leave when to come out especially slick rick's line because he had such you know he had a nice little flow going but then the the interest of time, if it was up to us, this sequence would be like 30 minutes. But, you know, <laughs> there's always that, you know, got to make a movie thing that always gets in the way of, you know, true creativity. <laughs> so, yeah. so here we are with our main characters in present day. In L.A. Times. L.A. Times. On Mercer Street. Yeah, we actually shot this on, you know. Was it Broadway in spring? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we're in LA. That's filmmaking on a budget. I mean, I mean yeah, but it's, it's, it's just me. So, what's good? Apologize first. What happened? Apologize first. You know the routine. Say it. I'm sorry. Uh, all right, I'm sorry for being a, a self centered. Uh, Ass. Actually, change that to impatient, arrogant ass. Okay, you can't be uh, adding extras here, Sid. Tell me something. Does Simon know you went to bed till you were twelve? So again, you know, this is uh, a scene you just want to establish their their friendship, their history, and that they're two successful people in the world of hip hop. No break dancing. Another great location there with the skyline and background. Mean, yeah. Great support from your uh, location. And yeah, we got designers. some incredible locations. This was a, an office in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And uh, just a great, great spot to be with that skyline in the background. You know, I wanted to shoot this in New York. A lot of films nowadays don't shoot in New York for New York. They shoot in Toronto and... Vancouver and everywhere else but New York, but uh, 
I felt like the city was was part of the film. You know, it was where the the music was created. It was where these two lived. It was where they grew up. So I wanted to shoot here. You can't fake that skyline anywhere. Be kind of hard, but you know, people do it. For many people, hip hop was that first. That painting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't quite have the same effect. The first to understand. I love this shot. If you look at the bottom, you'll see Sanaa. Because <laughs> we just kind of stole that from uh, a piece of uh, footage before <laughs> before action. <laughs> it was like a camera stop. Yeah, it was a camera stop, so it had that interesting little, you know, bead effect. And we were just kind of looking around and saw it and said, you know, this is cool. But that's what I, I love about the process is you find these little bits and pieces that are, you know, that seem like they're trash or they're, they're not a part of the film and you, you see something that inspires you. So, and it's a great shot of the Flatiron building, so we had to get that in. And it was free. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hip hop party. Now, this is probably one of the most funny moments on the film was uh, we're shooting this scene and we have a lot of hip hop cameos. If you look on the left side of the screen, you'll see the, the former wrestler China who just happened to show up on set while we were shooting this scene and wanted to be in it. <laughs> so we said, yeah, sure, come on up. <laughs> Those were the pigtails there, right? Yeah. If, yeah, it might be hard. <laughs> change your look. Yeah, change your look a bit, but, you know. So wrestler China in the house. Huge hip-hop fan, and I don't know if you knew that. A good uh, friend of Queen Latifah's or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a kettle one martini up with a twist for the gentleman. Get up off that chair. Hug me, girl. <laughs> What's up, baby? Uh, I have missed you so I much. you too. How you been? Kiss it. <laughs> Look at you. There no, you are. Lathan. <laughs> and Tay Diggs. Of course, Nicole Ari Parker. All incredible actors. Again, if you kind of look throughout, you can see peppered throughout the scene different people from the world of hip-hop and R&B. It was, you know, again, a thrill to do this because it was just... You know, we were partying all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it's also interesting when you get a bunch of people who are, you know, successful in their own <laughs> world together. Just the interesting sort of, let's say, uh, <laughs> well, no, I guess we'll leave that alone. <laughs> Kind of looks like the premiere party last night. Yeah, yeah. She had it outside. <laughs> uh, here's the. Yeah, we we shot this on a rooftop uh, in uh, again on on like Broadway and Fourth. What? Are you serious? 
and it was uh, November. We were, we were playing it for the summer, so it was like, you know, 20 degrees. <laughs> and then people have to dress like it's summer. It's have heaters for the breath and all that? Yeah, I mean, luckily, for whatever reason, it never... We never had a big problem with that until the the very end of the night. So we would we had got kind of all of our close ups and our our close coverage and. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Oh. I'm about to go in. Another just great location, great yeah. production design. Our production designer, Kalina Ivanov was convincing me that uh, this kind of Moroccan-themed <laughs> party was the way to go, which I at first was resisted to, but actually looks really good. And now it's, it's funny because I'm seeing it like everywhere in, in, in hip-hop, whether it's like sampling kind of Nasrat <laughs> or, you know, or in the video. So it's, she was ahead of her time. It works well with the, that Seven Minutes of Madness remix, too, yeah, the, the, like, yeah, Ofra Hazi, like, kind of... I guess that's a, a, another aspect of the film, is the music we had between score and just the pre-existing source cues, probably about, what, 50, 60 cues, separate cues, so huge, you know, when it comes to music. But again, I wanted the music to tell the story, because that's what uh, the world is. People who love music and love hip hop, and uh, so we got some great folks. This scene was sort of a uh, well, this was our, yeah, challenge. A very challenging scene because uh, that actual massager from Brookstone they felt was too much like a, a vibrator. So we had a much longer scene with, I think, some better jokes involving that that we had to cut in order to get a PG-13. And I never thought we'd have to fight for a PG-13, but, you know. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, yeah, so we had to do a lot of creative editing here to, <laughs> to get people from here to there. It was already a difficult scene because they're unpacking and... I wanted to give them the freedom to kind of move around. Guess so. Oh, she invited me to her bridal tea shower thingy. And I don't know what to bring. You have to change a bit. Let me pick some up for you. Oh, would you, would you? Yeah, I got you, cuz. I got you covered. You're the best People saying stuff that they just completely don't understand mm, yeah. and are sort of making calls on it. Exactly. <laughs> Buddy and the booty. There's <laughs> 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 one misunderstanding there. Other than and, it was in. <laughs> you made it! That was a scary process. <laughs> oh, That's hard to believe because you get a the movie like this that has, you know, no no violence or, yeah. or any, uh, you know, just sort of nothing but, you know, and, and no, no real uh, sex or anything either. I mean, there's no nudity yeah. or... And you get, a, and you know, they want to give you an R rating. Yeah, it's crazy, but uh, but you can shoot like eight hundred people as long as you don't show blood. <laughs> you can show, <laughs> show the blood. The blood can't be I no, think, it, flying it through the fly, air. Yeah. yeah, okay, but you know, you can't you have a Brookstone massage. <laughs> <laughs>
That's trouble. Now you're, yeah. Now you're stepping over what the line. about the kids? <laughs> Another great location in Queens, right off the 59th Street Bridge, for those of you watching this in New York. For everyone else, it's like, you know, why do you keep talking about these places in New York? <laughs> Come on out. It's... Come on out here. Great city. It was a nursery or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it's actually a nursery. Which they rent out for different sorts of stuff, parties and stuff. Again, more of a kind of Sydney and Dre's friendship and and how that uh, closeness can be a little awkward at times. And for those of you who want to know, a polar bear is uh, milk and vodka. <laughs> had no idea, but the, the old lady here just kept yelling out polar bear. So if you want to go mix one right now, it's milk and vodka over ice. Shake and not stir. <laughs> she was great, that lady. And yeah. Also Reese's uh, old buddy here. Yeah, exactly. Good job. There's no subliminal. <laughs> I've been told that from us us cutting from the uh, the panties to the hot dock, there's some sort of subliminal, <laughs> you know, totally unintended. But we did not intend that. I guess that's what makes it. We subliminal. got it by the MPAA. <laughs> they didn't notice. <laughs> Here's another scene you've never seen before in a romantic comedy, uh, the walk along Central Park. <laughs> have it. But you have to have it. You can't make a romantic comedy in New York and not walk down Poet's Walk. <laughs> nice day for it, yeah. A woman that's fine, smart, classy, but not a snob. You know, uh, hella, hella sexy, but not a hoe. Mm. That's brown sugar. That's my Reese. I mean, don't get confused by her business suit. She is a freak in the bedroom when a I'm A little bit too at. much information. Hey, you know, I'm just letting you know. MPAA revision. Mm. He said tapping that ass for those of you on <laughs> <laughs> Now the DVD is going to be R, and we're going to be calling yeah, us yeah, again. Yeah, 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 we're going to. Yeah, where's the director's cut, man? <laughs> no. oh, I forgot being best friends with a man means I get to find out the stupid, simple ways they look at women. But the evolution of brown sugar has kind of changed over that definition. <laughs> so, but uh, something that uh, again. What now? Someone asked me this. What is it? <laughs> last night that came up and said, "What is it called in a film when you reference the title in the in the uh, in the dialogue?" And uh, I, I was stumped. I just hmm. said, "I don't know." Um, yeah, no idea. <laughs> so they didn't teach they didn't teach that in film school. <laughs> it just kind of happens, doesn't it? Uh, so, uh. so um, if anyone knows. Right, Fox. No. <laughs> Let us know. Keep your eye on this blue vase. It's going to reappear a number of times. In yes, the yes. Recurring blue vase. Oh, while we're at it, we should talk about the Exie Award. 
which goes out to excellent performance in the area of extra and uh, bit players. So throughout, we're going to point out uh, various nominees for the XE. Contenders. Contenders. It was a tight race. Winner to be announced at a beautiful ceremony in the Bronx. What jail or group home does Simon have you going to now? That's funny. It's open mic night at Webster Hall. And Sanaa Lathan, I don't know, she's, she's an incredible actor, and, and somehow, I think in kind of the creation of her character, she was always kind of dropping and, and bumbling with things, and it was a nice little touch to add a kind of level of vulnerability to her character who has to be really tough in this hip-hop world, and we ended up finding so many moments like that where, you know, she was kind of a little clumsy and... Definitely wanted to work that in because I think, again, on a subliminal level, it kind of works to the kind of her nervous energy. Yeah, and it's real softer, like you said, too, because it's certain warmth or whatever. I don't know, so yeah. it's just kind of endearing. Definitely. One of my favorite scenes to shoot and to cut. Maybe not for dirt because we had like 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, no, it was fun. <laughs> just lined them all up. And it was good, you know. It's all in sync with the music, yeah. so you can uh, sort of pick and choose bits. It's not, it's not so hard to track it all. Yeah, and we we recorded live mics here, and this was one of the requests of most deaf, who we should introduce, incredible actor and musician. And uh, he wanted to use a live mic, which I agreed with, because I, I hate when I see films and they're supposed to be performing, but it's clear that they're lip syncing, even if it's to their own <laughs> song. So it was a live performance. We wanted to get that energy. We're at Webster Hall here in uh, New York. And uh, Most Def created this song uh, for the film, Beats by Kanye West, for those of you uh, in the know hip-hop. And again, if it was up to, to me, we would have like had the whole song <laughs> cut into the film. <laughs> there was just different moments like that where I just wanted to indulge in in hip hop because uh, I I'm such a you know fanatic. So you know the, the title sequence was maybe a little longer than you probably would standard. You're having a standard title sequence. That performance was a little longer than you you might normally do but it's again i wanted to be in this world and and kind of really really dive into it and indulge those mo and let those moments play out that were really true and authentic to hip-hop yeah i like the long version of that too i don't think i'm supposed to be the guy telling you know the pressure you to cut it down but it wasn't really <laughs> exactly wasn't really the case yeah i don't think the studio liked that <laughs> that's really yeah dynamic yeah we, you know it's funny you got jokes for real though you looking for a deal probably right why don't you take can i put this anywhere well all right well listen uh to be honest with you man um i'm not sure millennium is really ready for what i'm doing it's on a different tip you know i've seen some of your artists know this oh that's cool man we're trying to you know broaden our horizons yeah. but i know where you at man i, I get it you man i know where millennium at i, I know where the office is at thanks for coming man i'm Just glad you're man. man all right my number's on the uh oh, shoot, that was nice. 
And these guys. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Kill me. Ren and Tan. Hip hop Dalmatians. <laughs> Two great actors here, too. Uh, Eric uh, Weiner and Reggie Wins, who uh, came in on, on open calls that we had in New York and just uh, had me cracking up. It's another one of these things where there was just so many great pieces and, yeah. you know, you can't use them all. They were doing different stuff on every take yeah. and, you know, I mean, you could have just had a, like a half-hour variety show of just yeah, their outtakes. That's it's, the next deal, the Ren and Ten variety show. But I saw Eric, he was doing a show in, in New York called Bombardier of Errors, which was a hip-hop version of Shakespeare. <laughs> so, uh, so I saw that in his troupe, and uh, they came in and, and auditioned, and he was the one that really stood out, and that's, that's Ren, the white guy over there. And I still don't know who, who Ren or Tan. I think Ren is the white one, Tan. <laughs> I think they, like, switch it on you. They switch it on you, you know, 160 degrees. <laughs> Digital wipe. <laughs> but clearly, uh, you know, we were trying to show Dre in a world that, you know, finding himself in a world that he, he didn't quite know he was in. Um, and clearly, it was someone who came into the music feeling a certain way about the music and then finding him himself at a uh, an interesting point where the music is really uh, becoming uh, more commercial, more mainstream than it's ever been. And I think for me as a filmmaker, that it kind of rivals, you know, kind of parallels my life, I should say. Uh, and that hip-hop, I think, grew up with... Uh, you know, my generation, you know, uh, the generation that me and, and Dirk grew up in. So we were, and I feel like, you know, I was with the characters personally as well because the changes that kind of are going on in the music, I felt you kind of could reflect in your own life when the music was kind of young and naive. So was I when it was little more rebellious. I was in high school and, and Public Enemy was out and and so was I, you know. And so, and when I was in college, it was, you know, when you're starting to think a little more and be a little more, you know, self-reflexive. There was, you know, Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul doing their thing. And, and I think now that, you know, a little older and, uh, you know, you you kind of have a different point of view in your life. I think the music is sort of at that point, too, where it's growing up. So, again, why, uh, you know, in the voiceover and, and kind of in the, the story, I wanted to reflect uh, that growth and where hip-hop is now as opposed to where it was 30 years ago. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about yesterday? When I got my hat handed to me by the MC. I have to give a shout out to Enrique Chadiac, our DP. Amazing. He had Beautiful some stuff. 
beautiful, beautiful photography on, again, a very limited budget. <laughs> He's an amazing DP. And one of the things we wanted to do was, you know, I hate films with, with African-American characters where the light is just blowing out everywhere. So uh, I really wanted to kind of, you know, use a lot of shadow and darkness in the frame and, and light the film almost like a Blue Note cover. Uh, and kind of the, the ph photography of Francis Wolfe kind of inspired me and and how they used the the lighting and, and, and taking those jazz photographs for Blue Note. So that was sort of the inspiration for the look of the film. And, uh, and I wanted to push it. And, you know, I might have pushed it a little far in some places, but I just definitely wanted to to, you know, use the light in the frame selectively as opposed to just, you know, high-key lighting and everything is, you know, bright and cheery, you know, because there's some, some adage that, you know, if you're lighting a comedy, it should be bright, <laughs> you know, so. Cheery. Cheery, so I, I wanted it to kind of reflect, you know, Blue Note and jazz and kind of the roots of hip-hop in that way, so. That even inspired, you know, the, the, you guys put that together visually in terms of the stuff that, that you shot and everything you put together and even inspired the way I think that we, you know, ended up putting the film together. It's, the, it's kind of, you know, the, the collage -y yeah. stuff that all the, the blue notes we're, we're getting into and yeah. the little photos and stuff as well. And, you know, the kind of split screen thing and even the, even the jump cuts in a way, I think, sort of reflect that as well. Yeah. You know, you had, you had those, you know, the books of the the album covers around and stuff and I mean it was you know we were thumbing through that stuff even when you know during assembly and everything and it was really kind of I think inspired everything yeah yeah in the film we wanted it to be a New York feeling film and what could be more New York than jazz and blue note in the 40s and 50s so they kiss <laughs> they come together but it's it's one of those things again with the ro romantic comedy, romantic drama. I mean, as soon as you see the poster, you know the two people are gonna hopefully end up together. It's just kind of that process of them getting there. And I've always felt a, a romantic comedy is almost like when your parents tell you how they got together. You know, you know the ending, you know the conclusion, but you're still kind of riveted as they tell you the story of how they fell in love so it's that's kind of how I, I approach romantic comedy is just it's the storytelling as opposed to the outcome because I think you you pretty much know what's gonna happen at least you, you think you know get to that bachelor party see those strippers right <clears throat> right okay peace all right The freeze frame. What do we call that? The freezy freeze, dissolve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> freeze dissolve morph thing morph or thing. something. Yeah. <laughs> like the uh, Vanderbilt castle or something like some crazy you know Wait a 
but it looks like a church, but it's actually not a church. It's someone's home. At <laughs> someone's <time>. home, yeah. <laughs> and now it's like a, a tour or something. <laughs> so, a little bit. This is, you know, my second film with a, a wedding in it. <laughs> so this was an interesting day because we had all of our actresses on the set, and it, it almost takes on the life of a real wedding. <laughs> that All the kind of problems that kind of happen on your wedding day seem to happen on this day. Everyone wants to look beautiful. <laughs> the bride's dress was falling apart. Our poor costume designer, Daryl Johnson, was in tears by the end of the day because <laughs> he was just getting <laughs> pulled by a bunch of beautiful women who all wanted his attention all at once. <laughs> so <laughs> Clone him. <laughs> yeah. He did a great job, too. Yeah. I do. You don't mean it. Say something. If there is anyone here who has just cause why these two should not be lawfully married, pretty good XC extra there uh, behind. Yeah, the there's, a, there's a there's a pretty good XC there. I think that's a not one nominee for the XC. This guy in the glasses on the right, if you. <laughs> Yeah, right there in the middle. He's a. <laughs> he's in a. He's in a couple scenes. He's in a couple too. scenes he's too. He's, yeah. He's, he was his. He's uh, Shana, Shana's date right in the. Um, yeah. The, the, the double date later. Yeah. yeah. He. He really, he really did some good work and as an extra. And this is one of the things that really intrigued me with the the script when I got it was. Uh, they get married on page 30, <laughs> you know, and it's, and that was such a, a, a interesting, different thing for me uh, in a, in a romance, drama, comedy, whatever, is that, you know, the, usually the film is about, you know, the lead up to the wedding, and of course, you know, once the wedding gets there, you know, someone's going to break in, and Dustin Hoffman is going to, you know, wave the cross and run out of the <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but this they get married on page thirty, so it's kind of like, well, okay, what happens from here? And I, I wanted to kind of treat it in a, a real world type of way, you know. No one's really gonna run from the altar after you know months and months of planning a wedding. You know. And see, there he goes, Xy. Oh yeah, he got a. I don't know. They must have met at the wedding. I yeah, they met at the wedding. But he's up there. I think he's a glasses, glasses dude. Nominee number one. Another great location. In Tribeca. And this, believe it or not, is also someone's house <laughs> in, in New York that we converted into office space. I don't know. There's some... There's some really rich people in this city, man. <laughs> a big, big chunk of space there. <laughs> yeah, but and that's just the top floor of this guy's house. 
but it was so big we were like, you know, this could be great office space. <laughs> But again, you know, why we wanted to shoot in New York is you just get all this great, great stuff, great locations in the city. It's an incredible backlot to have. And so I'm, I'm in love. I'm, I'm trying to make every film I can out here. Listen, you got to go inside. Katrina's going to hook your hair up. Then we're going to get you some real clothes. So you look incredible for your date with Kelby Dawson tonight. I'm meeting Kelby on business. This isn't a date. But it's an opportunity. So you got to dangle. I'm not going to dangle. All right, all right. We've just been informed what the reference to the title in the movie is. You want to do the, the honors? The titular scene. Titu the titular scene, and it's... It sounds. And the DVD. So there we Producers. go. So now you're, you know, yeah, you're, you learn something here. I'll try not to hold it against you. You don't need to go to film school. Just watch the brown sugar commentary. Well, thanks for giving us this interview, especially considering you don't do much press. Are you surprised? Oh, yeah. I don't know too many professional athletes uh -huh. that avoid the spotlight. Boris Kojo, everybody. This was a... Uh, you can, can hear half of the scene at the previous screenings because yeah. the, 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 the women were screaming so loudly yeah, and every, Boris appeared. Every time we've screened this film, as soon as his, you know, right toe enters frame, <laughs> women are screaming. But another great actor and uh, beautiful man. Look at that man. He is lovely. <laughs> But a Kel BR NBA MC. <laughs> and another great location in the city. What was the name of this place? Is uh, Lala's? No, this was the. This was the. Uh, commune. Commune. So, yeah, Commune on uh, 24th between Park and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nice spot. <laughs> nice spot. Go Free get shot. some dinner there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted to shoot there because of that great bar in the background. Just an incredible, incredible bar. Oh, yeah. Here we go. You know, they had, a, you know, many versions of this rap. Yeah, this rap brilliant. was all, yeah. But the, the number 69 garlic chicken and rice I had. <laughs> we had to go with that, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they're, you know, again, they just would get into these <laughs> riffs and just, you know, they probably delivered about 18 different versions of that rap. And just trying to pick out all the best parts was the challenge. Just something in, in general, I think, you know, I should mention that, I mean, you, you know, uh, you, were, you were encouraging people to, to try things on, um, you know, on alternate takes and... Uh, you know, you really got a lot of amazing stuff that way. It was yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like to use this, the screenplay as sort of a, a blueprint and not necessarily like the Bible. You know, I think that, you know, it's that 10%, that 20% of, you know, something new improv that makes it real. I always try to move away from stilted dialogue, so 
I want them to be free to do what, what they have to do. Oh, and the, uh, <laughs> the hoe is mine. <laughs> These guys, man. I'm and again, sure if they this, released it, there, there would be a huge hit. Yeah, this would be, a, you know, I don't know why. It's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. That's a bad idea. It's ridiculously whack. Just like this whole outfit is ridiculous. Didn't we already have a talk about this? Hmm? Yeah, man. Yeah, man, we did. What you doing? You hit that. Where you going, man? Where you going? I'm out, man. Oh, come on now, Dre. What you doing, man? Dre. Peace. Where you going? Dre. Dre. Be out there. Wasting all my damn money. All right, uh, uh, go back to the top from okay. that first hole. Take How you with this damn boy? Put some buttons on What's up? So green. You want me to take the Manhattan or the Brooklyn? Another thing that we wanted to do musically was, uh, you know, there are many scenes in the film. We wanted to use music, obviously, but hip-hop with its lyrics and with the... Uh, it's heavy beat sometimes isn't appropriate for every scene, so we used a lot of what we what's in you know the hip hop world called break beats, which is kind of the the, the songs that hip hop artists sample, the different breaks that they sample over and over that you hear. So a lot of these songs we used are songs that have been sampled by a lot of hip hop artists, but we use the original song like this is a Bobby Blue Bland song. Um, called Ain't No Love, which uh, Jay-Z sampled uh, and called Ain't, Ain't No Love. <laughs> so we wanted to do a lot of stuff, stuff like that. In the previous scene with Ren and Ten, we had a song by uh, Lobby, Lobby Sifri called I Got The, which was sampled by uh, Eminem. So... Uh, some might have listened to that and said, oh, they used Eminem's song there, but that was actually Lobby Sifri, who Dr. Dre sampled. And so that was another recurring thing we wanted to do throughout is use these break beats. And for those who grew up in the world, you know, interesting little guess who kind of game. And these two were great together. You know, they just had such a, a great, I'm going to use the C word, chemistry. <laughs> that, uh, you know, they would play off of each other well. So, again, this was another scene with tons of stuff by most deaf. Great stuff. He's a great actor, great, incredible timing, and just his delivery is always on the money when you can understand it. No. <laughs> He's so low-key. He kind of mumbles sometimes. So, so that was that was hard. Yeah, that was hard to get through sometimes. Kid's got some great looks in the scene. Yeah, too. yeah. Rejection. And there's another thing you always see in the movies. There's no glass in between the front and the back seat in the cab. <laughs> so it's a movie cab. 
And this is Fort Greene. And again, this scene just, he wanted to kind of tie everything in after all that he's been through. And he's kind of at this point where he's uh, left his job. So I, we wanted to make this a nice moment. And Derek, you did a great job on this. I don't think this scene changed much from the uh, original assembly. So it was a shot beautifully. It was yeah, pretty straightforward. But that's, you know, me and, me and Dirk worked together on, on the wood and, and you, you know, you love when you get to that point where we just, you know, have the same kind of instincts. So a lot of sync. Yeah. It just helps the whole process. You see the blue vase again here. Now. Yeah. Here we I think the blue vase should be nominated for the XC. I should, should have, yeah. Sort of overlooked that, didn't <laughs> it? So there's the blue more vase again. Yeah. Say, will you go out with me with Playing a very important role. But yeah, there it is in her hand, blue vase. Keep an eye out. That's that's two. It's like, where's Waldo? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Uh, all right, how about this one? Uh, okay, okay. Yes, yes, y'all, and you don't stop. And one, two, calm says the beast is sure shot. Come on, Dre, yes, This is your first day of shooting, I think. This was our first day of shooting, yeah. For real. I met this girl when I was 10. And, you know, always a, the interesting thing about the filmmaking process is, you know, first day of shooting, but, you know, they have to be best friends. <laughs> you know, have this rapport again. Uh, for me, Tay and Sanaa are good friends, so obviously they didn't have to really fake. Back in the day, you remember that feeling? Just how hip-hop used to be. But again, another self-indulgent <laughs> scene for me because, uh, again, I wanted them to just really, I wanted a nice long scene of them connecting over the music because that's the one thing that they share that I think... Uh, no one else has. They have this uh, incredible love for the music, and that brought them together. So I wanted a scene uh, that reflected that and kind of throw some shouts out to some, some artists that I like, Tribe Called Quest and Beastie Boys and KRS-One. I cannot remember the last time I had that feeling. I can't, I can't. But this is Fort Green Park. Again, for those of you in the New York area, or visiting. <laughs> I left Millennium. I just said I walked away from it all today. So what you gonna do now? I'm thinking. I'm thinking I could start my own label, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, make music that I want to make, music that I think should be out. Yeah, it's always the first day. You're always nervous. <laughs> and when I saw these first dailies, you know, it, this is when I kind of felt like we had a really good movie going here from the first moments, you know, because... Kike, who's Enrique, we call him Kike, our, our DP, would, had such great images. I was like, wow, you know. And this is my second film, and I, I you know, did a film called The Wood before this, and so I wanted to try some different things, so uh, to see him actually kind of working <laughs> and being executed was uh, 
was great to see. So, how, how you gonna, you got the money? I think that lady walks by about three times. <laughs> She's like the base. Yeah. Again, another one of the filmmaking on a budget. Did a great job. I mean, I know you guys didn't have a ton of extras, and you know, the, your ads were just, just yeah. really working and and uh, really yeah. filled out these scenes. You know. And I mean, and sometimes they would actually like walk by. Someone would like throw on another jacket, yeah. <laughs> jeans or whatever. Recycled extras. <laughs> and then walk by again. So. <laughs> You have to be creative. So we had a we had a great crew. Uh, yeah, it was a really amazing crew. I mean, even for us, we're you know away from the set. There's just the people in the production office accounts. Everyone on this movie, there was just like a real, uh, you know, a real a real great spirit around it. You know, people were uh, it was just just a real nice vibe. Yeah. I mean, we were. We were shooting in the city. Uh, we were two weeks out of production when, uh, you know, the, the when when the tragedies on 9/11 happened, and you know, I, I think for us, we we all got together when it happened, and you know, kind of decided what we were gonna do with this. Were we gonna keep going forward? Were we were gonna push production and uh, to a person, cast and crew, everyone was like, we should just keep going and uh, keep making this film. And I think that's what lended to to the uh, the feeling on the set. Everyone, I think, had uh, you know things were put into perspective for a lot of people on what we do for a living. So. You know, we were the first film to shoot after 9-11. We started production on October 11th, and um, a month after it happened, and uh, it was a crazy and scary time, but at the same time, it was, you know, an incredible experience for me because we, we did have an incredible crew, and we really bonded together like a family, and I think a lot of the pettiness that usually is associated with the filmmaking process, we were able to kind of avoid. I think people really put things into perspective for us. So I think that lends to what you were saying, Dirk, about just the, the incredible feeling on, on set as we were making the film. Hi, baby. How you doing? Yeah, it was, uh, unlike, you know, anything I've worked on, I mean, it was it was just really, uh, yeah, everybody just came together. It was a beautiful experience for me. And this was, you know, again, this was we. This location is in Tribeca, and at the time, you couldn't travel below Canal Street in, in here in New York. So uh, we had to, the, you know, the the mayor's office was, uh, you know, incredibly cooperative and in, in, in saying that, you know, everyone was going to get back to work. So they opened it up for us to go down into lower Manhattan when... Uh, you know, when, when many people who were living in Lower Manhattan couldn't get down to their to their homes and things, so again, uh, there was just a lot of a uh, lot of things and a lot of people pushing in the same direction on this. So, and this was one of our beautiful locations in Tribeca. Even on a wider scale, I mean, it was amazing to see how the you know the whole city came together and yeah. after uh, after those yeah. events. Don't know 
I don't know. You know, I always say if it was any other city, I don't know how. How what, what would have happened? How they would have reacted? But this is a a tough town. You can't make a major life decision just because you feel like it. In the I don't need you to be my lawyer. And this is a tough girl. <laughs> Reese's. But again, I, we worked, me and, and Tay and, and Nicole worked a lot on this scene because we wanted it to be a real situation. Uh, no plate throwing and all that kind of... <laughs> just a real situation with real people and how they would react. And I, one of the things I wanted to accomplish in the film was, to, again, to keep it more in the real world as opposed to kind of the movie world and even though there are a lot of movie things that happen in the film we wanted the characters to be real you know how would you react if your husband told his female best friend about him quitting his job before you you know so we wanted the characters to be real and not necessarily kind of cookie cutters I think you nailed it there too, because I mean, it's you, you know, it could have been much more, you know, clear cut. She's the villain or whatever, yeah. and it's it's much more uh, real and ambiguous as it should be. Yeah, and it went back and forth. At moments you're kind of saying, "Yeah, I agree with him," and then other moments you're like, "Hey, you know, I agree with her." So, as we found out at the screening last night, yeah, people yeah, are exactly you know, cheering for one and then the other a moment later, depending on who's just spoken. So here we are in the Brooklyn Promenade. Looking onto the city, and again, you know, the, being the first film to shoot after 9/11, the, obviously the skyline of the city was uh, completely different. But still, uh, the most beautiful skyline I'd, in, in the world. I'd love to, to sh again shoot here again. And as we were shooting another little, when we were shooting that scene, there was still, when we went to scout, there were still many of the kind of memorials up. And we just, we kind of had to decide. One of the interesting things of, of making the film was having to decide what to do with, with things like that. And I just made the decision that whatever was there, we were going to, to shoot. We weren't going to tamper with anything uh, that had been set up and, and as some sort of memorial. Stay for dessert. Good, like I'll have dessert and walk along the promenade. Mm -hmm. Coffee, which I'm making. And I love this scene. This is great. The rapport, the, the this is where yeah. you really kind of see they have, you know, some kind of chemistry relationship exactly with each other. And I love the song. Jill Scott delivered an incredible song for us here. Did you actually see him cook for you? No. He's running game on you. That nigga ain't cook. Why would he say it if he didn't? So he could get you to make him coffee in the middle. So again, most deaf and, and, and Tay, I think, uh, really worked well off each other. I mean, I know our script supervisor were <laughs> was frantically trying to follow as they improved quite a bit more than anyone else, uh, more than many of the other actors. When they got together, they really just... Uh, did a lot of improv. 
Yeah, it was a difficult, difficult job for her, but she did she did a great job. Yeah. Nancy Bresson did her, did her organ right. And then was, <laughs> I know Derek would would come on to be come to be on set. <laughs> like you know, yeah, most you know, most deaf man. <laughs> can you can you can you can you give can me you like one him, one take? <laughs> just just one just one clean one. <laughs> One by the book. Yeah, one clean take where they're not all over each other's yeah. <laughs> dialogue. <laughs> yeah, you know, it makes it uh, it makes it challenging in the in the room sometimes. But it, um, you know, you it completely, uh, you all completely uh, won me over with the, with the um, you know the idea of really giving those people a lot of freedom because you came up with such great stuff yeah. by the by the end. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. What's up, partner? What's up, man? What you doing here? But you know, you should still take your editor's complaint seriously. But. <laughs> but yeah, they got good stuff. Yeah. But that's always the you know it's when you're shooting, you're going yeah you know we'll let them you were free freedom. <laughs> Go with it. Then when we're cutting, I'm. <laughs> I'm sitting there, you know, where you just need there to be like one ounce of silence so that you can cut out you don't have it. Or they're on someone's line and you know you have to ADR because I hate ADR. Uh, I hate having to go in afterwards and re-record dialogue. But uh, so I try to get it clean. I try to listen, but sometimes you just you have to let them go. Yeah, it's hard to, I think, tell when you're on set, you know, if yeah. they start overlapping. Cause it, they get in, I mean, when they have so much energy yeah. and, they're, and they're so uh, you know, into it, then sometimes they clip each other a little. Exactly. Alright, man. You got me. All I know is I'm here, man. Alright, all I can give you is my word. I'm trying to do something real. The way I see it, real MCing, that's the hook. That could be our hook. That's my vision. All right, no shiny suits, no bling bling, no spotted furs. This is the real deal. On the humble, I need you, man. You want you want to help me? Yeah, man. You really want to help me do something? Yeah. All right. Hold this. Take this. Hook up my back seat. Right. I'm gonna just want to place it here. I'm gonna get you some coffee. How long is it gonna take you to clean the back seat? Are you? You want me to clean the back seat? I mean, if it's too gully for you, it's all good. No, I mean, no, 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 nah, nah, nah. I mean, yo, I'm gully. Oh yeah, you gully? Yeah. I don't want you to mess up your nails and that. You know what I mean? I'm gully, man. I mean, you do something for me, I do something for you, right? That's how it goes, man. Right? You good? I'm gully. Right, you find any change back there, it's mine, okay? Cool, I got you. Right, open the window so you don't breathe that stuff in. I'm gonna open up a window. Gully. And uh, this scene was originally gonna be in a restaurant with the two ladies talking about uh, Sydney's friendship with Dre. But um, somewhere along the line, I thought it would be kind of interesting if they were in this boxing <laughs> class, quite literally and figuratively uh, sparring. Ever since Dre 
So I think, you know, a lot of added a lot of energy to the scene that probably wouldn't have been there if they were just in a midtown restaurant or something. Yeah. And we shot this all handheld again so that we can get in and be a little close. I wanted it. I like stuff like that where it's kind of going in and out of focus and been flirting with the idea of shooting a, a film completely handheld. And again, uh, our DP was manning one of these cameras. We had uh, two cameras going at each angle at a time. And have to give a shout to Michael Green, who was our, the, our, our camera operator. And he is uh, a great, uh, he's an incredible camera operator. And again, with my style and kind of the way I like to do things and where it's, it's kind of free flowing, he was able to just get it all um, and had the instincts to get all those in, in little moments. But he uh, he works a lot. He does all of Woody Allen's films, so I'm sure he's used to <laughs> to kind of that free-flowing style. Our big digital montage split screeny <laughs> expensive yeah. But again, this is again inspired by. Blue Note, inspired by like the uh, the films of the '70s, which we we love, you know. Which I think again we used as a template. That was another one of our our templates. Was kind of you know American film from the late '60s and '70s, whether it's you know Bonnie and Clyde or you know Godfather or. or we just kind of wanted to stylistically do some some interesting things there. A nod to all that stuff. Give a nod to that. French New Wave and yeah, mm -hmm. these things. Cahiers du cinéma. Yeah. This next scene, especially, you know, the jump cuts. Well, yeah, well, this was our coming up, our, our next scene. The orgy of jump cuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people, uh, you know, got it, and, and some people probably, you know, may not, or it's just, it's kind of more for the people to do. But we found that as it as it went, that you know, the scene got more more energy, and the yeah. comedy, comedically and narratively, was working uh, better. So yeah, I mean, I we enjoyed it. Yeah, I like I love using the jump cuts in the in the film. And again, you know, everyone has kind of a linear way of thinking about genre films and you know jump cuts and split screens and freeze frames are just things you don't necessarily associate with you know romance or romantic comedies or, or whatever but again you know we felt that this was a world the music was so distinct that it could uh, it could handle it and people are sophisticated about, you know, films and, you know, especially those of my generation who grew up watching MTV and, and other, other things, you know, jump cuts and <laughs> pretty much this is actually right now, pretty yeah. tame, yeah, compared to what people are doing visually. And 
But yeah, again, that's that's something that we wanted to kind of experiment with and and play with was uh, the jump cuts, which we will see in our, our the scene coming up. This beautiful young woman beside me, which is cool. But I also lost my job. No, 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 the job lost you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I okay, I like that. I like That's that. That's right. And because of it, I um I was able to start my own label. Thank you. I would like to thank all y'all for all y'all support during this uh this time. I would especially like to thank my best friend who uh, who left that 75 degree weather to come back home. You are the perfect verse over a tight beat. To hip hop. And to the new year. Excuse me. Since we're all celebrating here, I'd like to. I'd like to take this to another level. Okay, bro, can we just stop at the fool level real quick? Let me just do this, do this real quick, and then, and then we'll, we'll leave. Thank you. Uh, can I have one, one, uh, one second, please? Let me take this. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, shit, we ain't nobody now. Okay. Um, I love you so much. <laughs> Would you do me the honor of being my wife? I don't know what to say. Say yes. <laughs> yes. great in the screenings and you got you know <laughs> half the women going yes say yes <laughs> no. and then, yeah the guy saying that was kind of interesting tay being the the underdog yeah. <laughs> you know there's <laughs> actually you know i always would, would joke with him and boris you know the battle of the pretty boys you know <laughs> stiff competition man. and like yeah you know, Tay was the pretty boy of two years ago, and now Boris is the new pretty boy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fresh face. Yeah, yeah. Well, I married Reese, and you married Sasquatch. Oh, so I'm doing this because of you? You arrogant son of a bitch. You really on your own sack right now. So I guess since I can't marry you, I'm marrying Kelvin. No, 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 no. So yeah, the, in the upcoming scene, once they leave the kitchen, we shot uh, every... Every shot was where was no coverage. We shot it all in one take, and we probably shot about what 15 or so takes that day. So everything was one take, and it's something that I, I you know, actually started doing in, in film school and kind of happened on by accident. Is you know by necessity, you know, we had to shoot something in film school with in just two takes, so we shot two long takes and ended up jump cutting the scenes together and finding like the best moments in each scene and sort of jump cutting them and that's sort of what we went back to here and and, and you know we were we originally flirted with the idea of just playing it all as one shot and then you know just the energy of the scene just wasn't 
wasn't quite there. And, and I don't know whether it was you or me or whatever, but somehow we started thinking about jump cuts or... I think it might have been Josh that suggested yeah, it initially. Yeah, the associate editor. Our associate editor. So he threw a couple of things together and it, and it kind of jogged my memory of, of what I was doing in, in film school. And uh, so we just went back and looked at every take and took a bunch of stuff. And I think it really added to the film, added to the scene. And then we had a, our music supervisor, Barry Cole, is a DJ, a turntablist. So he, he actually mixed all the music in this scene and added like the, the, the scratching and the mixing. And again, I think that all added to the jump cuts that, that you're seeing here. You feeling like this hot nervous stuff? It's kind of cute. And I think it kind of really lends itself to this type of you know party scene where you're you're sort of you know you've got all your whole ensemble there and, and you're sort of repositioning everyone with each other and it's like these little you know vignettes of yeah. of where things where things are and yeah. bits of communication. And it's almost how you you know it is at a party or you're talking to someone you get pulled away to something else you overhear something you know so it was a really really great way of kind of telling this, you know, putting this scene together. And also with shooting in one take, you know, the actors have to be alert. They have to be on their toes. And, you know, a lot of time with, with filmmaking, you know, it, it gets to a kind of a certain comfort level and, you know, the actors come on, you know, maybe they'll read their lines right before they're about to, <laughs> to do their take. And, you know, but with this, it just kind of led to certain energy to this scene, like a party where it's all, everything is on. There's no lull. And even when you're not on camera, you have to be preparing for when you're about to come back <laughs> onto camera. So all that just lent to the energy of this scene and then great moments like this <laughs> with uh, with Kelby. And again, Boris is, uh, is great because he allowed himself to kind of be goofy and <laughs> sort of silly and come up this. with that you know ridiculous rap <laughs> to get ridiculed that was actually one of his ideas to come up with that that rap that silly rap and go to most death <laughs> did he write that he yeah he wrote that he wrote that wow he's <laughs> yeah, a genius yeah so he does it all <laughs> <laughs> not just sports football. yeah it's not just basketball you know So yeah, for those of you who saw this in the theaters and thought this was there was something wrong with your projection, <laughs> it wasn't. Something wrong with us. Yeah, there was those crazy leftist filmmakers <laughs> corrupting your kids with Brookstone massagers, Marxist jump cuts, and hot dogs, and yeah, Marxist jump cuts. <laughs> That's what I thought. You're probably right. It's when you talk like that. That's what makes me think that you. It's funny too. I mean, you know, in the way of knowing for sure going in how the how the general audience was going to respond to this in screenings and stuff, but it, it ended up you know being uh, one of the most yeah. popular scenes yeah. in the film just because the the comedy and everything you know exactly. played so well. And I need you to be happy for me. I need you to be there for me. 
just like you asked of me. And you know, by pulling from all these different takes, you just mm -hmm. got to use all these little gems. Yeah. Jokes and stuff. And again, I think if we were, you know, gonna go out like uh, Andy Warhol or Brecht, you know, we would probably just, <laughs> we had other versions mm -hmm. which were <laughs> way more jump cutty, but you know, you, you, you have to kind of stay within the framework of the narrative, so I guess we couldn't go completely nuts. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, we're, we're gonna do something. Watch out, we're gonna do something <laughs> really funky. <laughs> this is an actual brownstone in, in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Not a set, so we had to get a pretty wide brownstone to kind of accommodate the, uh, the camera. But again, great, great. DP, great camera operators, great crew, everyone was running around this house. <laughs> Tried to get this seed, it all worked. Were the owners there panicking while you were shooting? Or? They were there, but they were, you know. They were cool. They were cool, because we, uh, we like painted and fixed up the house, because <laughs> he was doing a lot of work on the house, so, you know. He was happy to have a film crew come in and kind of help <laughs> with the cost. Remodel, yeah. yeah. I like how you know when when you came in and then uh, and started working when you guys were done shooting. And, you, and one of the, one of the first things you did, I think, was put those kind of dissolves into that yeah. the opening of this basketball scene, yeah. which was a nice way to you know contrast and come out of the the, the jump, jump, jump cut scene. scene. Yeah. And he's actually playing. Uh, Boris is a pretty good basketball player. That ball was not digitally. That wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he actually there. made that shot, and he actually dunked at the beginning. But I dunked on him. <laughs> let's, just, let's just get that out there yeah, for yeah. the record. Let, let, let it be known for those of you who play ball. I dunked on Boris. <laughs> but, uh, of course you can. Can I ask you something? It's funny because when we were shooting this, we wanted to get either the Knicks or the Nets. The only, the Knicks, you know, didn't really want to cooperate, and the Nets did, and it's kind of funny that when we shot this, the Nets were still, you know, weren't, were still sorry. <laughs> but by the time the film's coming out, you know, they were in the Eastern, they won the Eastern Conference and in the NBA Finals, so it, it ended up adding more <laughs> credibility now <laughs> that he plays for the Nets since they're now one of the best teams in the East. And we have to thank our executive producer for that, Irvin Magic Johnson. Uh, he, uh, this was a project that he had when he, he had a deal at, at Fox. And when his deal dissolved, he still stayed attached to the project and uh, was instrumental in, in, in getting a lot of things for us that we probably wouldn't have got. And it's, you know, especially this, he was like, oh, you know, I'll just call up David and, you know, I'll sit down and have a talk. And, of course, he was talking about David Stern, the <laughs> commissioner of the NBA. So we had full NBA cooperation on this show, thanks to, to Magic. He was also nice enough to give, um, you know, some of the editorial staff uh, some, some uh, you know, basketball tips and stuff. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, appreciate it. You know, yeah. Let's keep the elbows keep up. Keep the elbows yeah. up, yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a Knicks sign up at the press conference though? Yeah, I mean, is that before the it got Nets settled are, or something? The Nets are playing the Knicks. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> so this is kind of a uh, 
an interesting scene because visually I feel like we didn't quite get what we were were going for. But the performances and everything were so incredible in this scene that, you know, it's it's again probably it's one of my it's up there as one of my favorites. Tay was uh, Tay was incredible in this. Digsian tour de force here. Yeah, yeah. Another one is just, you know so many great pieces and the biggest challenge was fitting them all. Exactly, exactly. That's right. Yeah, that was pretty. Don't stop on my child. Yeah, we didn't see. We was just in the neighborhood. We thought, you mind if we join? No, not at all. Not at all. Have a seat. Sit down, girl. Why you all stiff? Racy with. See you got on my. Favorite dress with this area, y'all like, hey, wow, all out, <laughs> greased up from a man. I'm sorry, Richard Lawson. Good straight man. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, girl. Good. Um, you guys, um, friends of Reese's. Yeah, well, actually. But again, uh, thing is she's my wife. Tay is is great, and and a lot of people aren't haven't really seen him in this That's cool. That's being a, this this comedic. Perfect pitch. <laughs> but yeah, he—he's you know a lot of his roles are always kind of serious, like in, in Go and in Way of the Gun, and or he's you know getting naked. <laughs> so you know it was good to kind of see a different side. Tay with his clothes on, performing, performing, <laughs> being funny. Yeah, Again, another one of the scenes where visually it was kind of challenging. Because a lot of times when you uh, send your footage to the lab and you kind of, you know, you're... You're not really ex- exposing <laughs> a lot of the frame. They think you've made a mistake. So we got back a lot of our dailies really bright and really kind of over overexposed. And uh, we had to kind of fight that as we were, uh, as we were, you know, uh, doing our, our color timing. And when you left. But you know, by and large, I think that the look we 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 went for really was pulled off well. You know, ninety percent of it was right on the money, and just you know, there's just a few scenes where, again, I think the lab was like, "You must be crazy. This can't be right." <laughs> you know, so. But again, along the lines, this is another scene where. You know, you want the situation to come together in a in a real way. I know Tay had a lot of questions about how he should be emotionally. Should he be really upset? Should he be angry? Should he be sad because of what he's just seen? And I just kind of felt like, you know, it should be... He, you know, he would almost revert into this kind of moments when things were simpler, talking about his beat machine and her first article and as opposed to kind of thinking about what's just happened so but they were both incredible in that way always wanting to you know get the best out of themselves and and they always had a 
great questions and, and, and always were pushing and challenging themselves. This little moment by the bookcase was actually inspired a bit by Remains of the Day. I always loved that scene with Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson when she was, uh, he was reading his love story and she was trying to find out what he's reading. <laughs> and kind of that moment, so that was a little mini homage to that, to James Ivory. No, you snuck that by me. I'm going to have to check that out uh, again. Okay. That's a great film. Yeah. But that's what we do as filmmakers. We just steal. <laughs> you, know? you steal stuff and call it your own. I don't know what to say. It wasn't said, you know, like, all artists borrow, great artists steal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, I keep going and going. I was talking about us doing it. And uh, those of you who've seen The Wood, probably seeing a pattern emerging of kind of uh, undermining the, the male <laughs> ego. <laughs> Because, again, I, I, I've always felt like, you know, men in films have always kind of been a, a certain obvious toughness and, you know, steely nature. Um, and I want, again, just to have real characters or real situations and, <laughs> and sort of undermine people's expectations of what, what a scene like this would be about. So... You know, the ginseng that energized the bunny. And, you know, just had to throw a little curve in there. And again, for me, that I, I felt that that would take it away from being just about these two had sex and now they're in love. As it more about these two are just connected in a way and they love each other in a way that goes beyond just the physical. And so to have that moment not be like, you know, the fireworks moment was, was important for me so that... By the end, you know that they're coming together, not from some, you know, one-night stand kind of great passionate fling, but because they really have a connection. Just confuses things for me right now. And and besides, we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you catching Reese. Why are you talking like that? Like, why does it have to be all or nothing? Because we both know it's the right thing to do. Uh, this shot was our our little tribute to the city when we were shooting our second unit. They had the uh, the light tribute going on, and we had a little debate on whether we should shoot it and include it or not. And I felt like we should uh, we should include it. You know, this is the city, and we wanted to kind of mark that moment in time without doing kind of a 
overblown, self-congratulatory thing that most people in Hollywood like to do. <laughs> so uh, that was our little tribute to the city. I'm not the Humphrey Bogart in this. I'm the Peter Laurie. I'm the sidekick captain. You're the Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> scene for him. And again, this is another obvious uh, homage to many films. From obviously Casablanca to uh, when Harry met Sally. Yo, he was fighting the war. That's what they did back then. You know what he needed to do back then? He needed to stop fine ass Ingrid Bergman from getting on the plane with the. But just in a with a new a new (laughs) sort of twist. Come on, man! With another dude in the fog. Come on, two grown men walk off in the fog. You don't know where they going. And the whole, you know, Casablanca, two men walking off in the fog thing is a, was a, a moment of, in film school as a professor of mine who was was breaking down Casablanca in terms of gender and sexuality and had an interesting theory that, you know, Casablanca was really about, you know, these two men who walk off and how he walks away from the heterosexual relationship into this male friendship. And so I always, that always stuck with me. So I, I wanted to, to get a little, you know, throw that in a bit as I was, as I was writing the scene. And again, to have that delivered by most deaf, the most unlikely source was also (laughs) interesting for me. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Thank you for your time, Trish. I'm from uh, Brown Sugar Records. Trish Hoffman. Trish Trish Hoffman. (laughs) Named after illustrious producer. Named after our producer, Trish Hoffman. Okay, T. Diddy. T. Diddy. (laughs) Yeah. Now, all that phone chatter she made up was pretty amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Is that all ad lib? Yeah, yeah, she ad libbed all that. Mm -hmm. That's just good. She's got a real creepy vibe. Like, like you know, the real, like, Ultra professional. Exactly. And it's funny this scene kind of came together with him not being able to work the machine. That kind of happened in rehearsals. And as we were rehearsing the scene, Tay Diggs actually didn't know how to work the, the CD player. And so he was actually trying to open it while we were rehearsing. And, you know, everyone was just cracking up. So we were like, we should just do this when we... Have him not be able to open the machine. So that's how that came about. And again, I think when you're working from an area of, you know, being free, stuff like that can happen where happy mistakes kind of happen and you incorporate them. Yeah, everyone's had that experience with some you know, machine of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It plays really well. Now, Daryl Johnson, our costume designer convinced me that leather pants <laughs> was the way to go here. <laughs> so, um, 
It was a moment of weakness. Forgive me for putting him in leather pants. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. That's <laughs> nice with the turquoise uh, yeah. wife yeah. beater, though. Mm -hmm. you, you want things to change, and the next minute you're talking about you want things to stay the I same. I do want things to change. I just don't like how things have changed. And, 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 and I didn't know this is how it would turn out. And that's why we need to look back, okay? Because if we look back, then it will make us see things, the mistakes we've made, things that we never knew were there before. And if we just can stop, then maybe we can find that thing that we both know is missing and build on that. Are we, are we still talking about hip-hop? That's all we've ever talked about. It's all we've ever known from when we were 10. Say, just do me a favor. Before you do something that you might regret, just, just listen again. Just listen again. And again, I wanted it to keep it a real situation. And again, she's in this relationship with a great guy. You're not just going to, you know, throw that away on, on one night. What about your heart, Sid? Sid? Now, this is a... A really interesting location, which I never knew existed. It's called Campbell's Apartment, and it's in uh, Grand Central Station. And it was actually someone's uh, office at one time. This is a working bar now, though. Right? Yeah, now it's a bar, but it was someone's apartment slash office. And again, an another one of those post-9-11 things. Uh, we had only four hours to shoot this scene because uh, someone set off an alarm in, in Grand Central Station the day we were shooting this. So uh, everyone had to evacuate the building. And, and uh, it turns out that it was our, our, our film lights that got so hot they set off an alarm. So we had like, you know, you know uh, three engine companies of FDNY, you know, breaking through our set. <laughs> because, uh, you know, again, at the time, and you, you know how it was, Dirk, uh, every, every day there was a new, new rumor, a new kind of thing of, of different things happening. So every, every alarm, every situation got <laughs> dealt with very, got treated very seriously. So... We shot this scene in four hours, and uh, and they were great. And one of the things I wanted to do was kind of leave it ambiguous as to whether she actually slept with uh, this other dude. I know that you and Sydney have something very special that you share. So all he really says is, you oh, broke so those vows, Reese, as opposed to you cheated on me. 
whatever that reason and then she you know again trying to keep it real comes back with uh i know you and sydney have something special so again i wanted this scene to really be real and kind of set in the real world and i love this location as far as the lighting this was my favorite scene because it Everything was so rich, and we had this perfect, you know, contrast between light and shadow. To make this last, I don't know if we ever had enough. We can't stay married. And that's my best friend right there, by the way. <laughs> Joaquin Jones, assistant men's basketball coach, Pepperdine University, who was uh, in my last film, too. He's like your Hitchcock. Guys. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> Since I won't get in the film. Proxy. Have a few laughs. Yeah, they shot the hell out of the scene. Keep getting them. It's, yeah. you know, it's gorgeous lighting. I hope you realize this means that I have to take half Exposed of it. Yeah. yeah. Make it easy on you. Oh, while we were talking, we missed our other ex scene. Yeah, in the boxing scene. Up. So you'll have to go back and see the boxing scene. Because at the end, the guy in the yellow shirt was our. He's actually our our, our lead contender for the ex Front runner. Front runner. Well, we missed the show. I'm sorry, I just Outside of City walk. Center and Fisher Park and the oh, Zigfield Theater where we we had our premiere. I don't know what to do. I feel so helpless. Kelby, we can see the show on Saturday. Yep. And those lights were not ours. Thank you to the city of New York for uh, decorating our set. Assistant <laughs> production design. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is another scene that we did a lot of, of work on because it was, it was a much longer scene before this. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to get to the heart of the scene and get right to it without a whole lot of talk. I think it's clear that she's in love with Dre, and he knows he knows that. And uh, I'm sorry. we didn't want to really uh, I don't know overdo why your it. Doesn't do what your mind tells it. But again, at our screenings, there's many women yelling, "You know, I'll take you, Boris." <laughs> no, no, <laughs> don't let him go. There was one guy last night who was like, "Yes." Yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah Hundred yeah. women in disagreement. Exactly. So. And then this is a great cover by Cassandra Wilson of uh, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. And uh, again, I think just uh, works really well. I always thought one day I would outgrow my relationship with hip hop. 
So, you know, a uh, city of uh, 8 million people, 22 million come in daily. But, uh, you know, she's walking down the street and just happens to see. <laughs> it's a movie, you Don't know. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's why, you know, I said uh, you try to keep it as real as possible. But then again, you know. I'm walking too far ahead. You're calling. There's the blue vase again. There's Sorry, a blue vase. There it is. Yeah. I think, yeah, we missed a few other scenes with the blue yeah. vase, but that's another. I think there's like five. Yeah. So if you can count them all and uh, get it right. Uh, come to the XE Awards, sir. Come to the XE, yeah, you'll win tickets to the XE Awards. On 180th. <laughs> Come on down. We're up. Come on down. And again, that was day one. <laughs> that shot. My feelings Is it the same bench? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know they will never go away. I'll be waiting to hip hop. Got a really great look there. Yeah. Didn't I already see you? Mm, yeah. So what are you doing back here? I know that y'all put a new song in rotation. And again, this was a longer scene, which so we uh, I must show up cut down a bit. So you take a serious listen to this CD. But I, you know, the, in the whole process, I never. There was no scene that was really hard for me to lose, or no moment. You know, we were. Every it really week. came together well, and I, I, I felt like we we didn't really lose a whole lot or stuff, but we felt like, oh my God, I wish this was in the film. It wasn't a lot of uh, drops, like whole scenes. It's mostly, you know, you get out a little sooner or you yeah. come in a little later. It's hard, I think, when you're shooting you, to know, yeah. you know, how much uh, transition you're going to need into or out of something. But once you get in the cutting room, you find, you know, you can, you can leave something a little sooner. The suggestion's been made or something, and you can move on. Exactly. So, yeah, we didn't have many scenes, complete scenes, where we cut it all. Gave a sermon, but the parents became tense and nervous when the killer priest went buck wild and made the reverend run. I reached in and took Is the edge you show, right? for the hip hop heads. And we should talk about the white sweater. <laughs> Great debate over the white sweater. Which by the end of the film is more like, you know, brown. <laughs> we dyed it down so much. But, gradually. but again, with just keeping the exposure, it's different things. You know, the white sweater was challenging for the DP. And we got the uh, cooperation of Hot 97 here in New York. 
And that is Angie Martinez, an on-air personality. What's the name of it? It's called I Used to Love Him. All right. Like the common joint. But this isn't the Hot 97 uh, studio. We built this set at our production offices in Queens. You want to dedicate it to anybody? Yeah. But again, it looks really good. Looks just like it. To hip hop. I used to love you. The white background too is tough. Huh? Yeah. Tip to the budding yeah. filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. Especially black actors, you're gonna watch the, the watch white clothes the white, and the white background. Use gray, use beige. Because <laughs> it ends up looking white anyway. Once you expose it. We should get back to the phones. Okay. Okay. Let some people holler at you. Let's go to five. Where you from? Uh, the Boogie Down, South Bronx, and I'm, I'm here to set the record straight. So um, I got a question for, for, for Sydney Shaw. Okay. Uh, Sydney Shaw, when did you fall in love with hip hop? When I heard Kango Crew and Get Fresh Crew. Well, I don't think you understood the question, so I'm gonna ask you again. Sid, when did you fall in love? Yeah, she did a great job. Was she, she acted before? Um, no, not really. Yeah, she did a great Natural. job. Mm -hmm. Queen Latifah, great. I mean, I love how she played the role of Francine because it's the best friend in a romantic comedy often can be very loud and over the top. And, and she was, uh, I wanted this role to be very subtle and she brought a lot of that to the role and never tried to push too hard. Especially when you're in scenes with great actors, you have that instinct to try to push it and she was comfortable with just kind of letting it come to her. Again, I think as with all the actors involved, we had a great ensemble. I hear that they are about to play Cabby's first single. So I'm like, yo. This is a big, down here, a big day. And we shot this scene of them walking down the hall, steady cam and both <laughs> leading him and following him, which I know was <laughs> of concern to Dirk when he initially saw, <laughs> saw the footage. My biggest concern was that I was there that night when you were shooting it, so if there was some problem, you know, it could potentially fall back on me. Exactly. <laughs> For not having said anything. But it worked out great. Yeah. And I love you still. <laughs> You're my heir. So, I don't want to be your friend no more. <laughs> I love how you handled this section, yeah. you know, it's just getting to this romantic climax and yeah. the kind of little joke there. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. I mean, it was it was hard to how we were gonna end it in the screenplay and, and as we were shooting, cause you know, they'd already kissed, they'd already slept together, <laughs> you know, so kind of the traditional endings just didn't seem to, to fit. So I wanted to kind of, again, kind of undermine it a bit with, with most Def and Queen Latifah here. And they were they were great together. Right, right. That's why the, the whole flute thing is in there. And, um, and the the Queen of France, Marie Antoinette. I don't know if you know her, but um, you know she didn't like the regular common glasses, so she had to make uh, glasses. And another scene like, we originally had is all jump cuts. You know, like they're up 
which I think would have been would have been better. But it worked out all right, you know. But you know, well, we won't get into that. <laughs> All is well. All is well. Yeah. Exclusive debut. This is Cavi. Join us called Brown Sugar. And I need you to feel this. And we just had to cut away from this kiss because it was, again, I call it a big red commercial. It was starting <laughs> to get, you know. <laughs> Here we are back in the Bronx. Where it all began. Where it all began and where do we go from here? Where does the music go from here? Hopefully it'll keep inspiring and uh, challenging itself and uh, making me feel it the way I always have. This guy could get the exy, the old man walking in the hat. <laughs> I don't think so. So here it was. There it was, brown sugar. There are many, many, many cameos. We should do the, the credit commentary. <laughs> It's, it's For those of you who, who watched the yeah who watched the credits, <laughs> really had you know amazing crew. He did yeah, the, an incredible crew. Uh, again, from our, our DP Enrique Chadiac to line producer Trish Hoffman, obviously the man sitting next to me, Derek Westervelt, our editor, our production designer Kalina Ivanov. Costume designer Daryl Johnson and our two great music supervisors who had their hands full with this film, Barry Cole and Christopher Covert. Um, and then Robert Hurst, who I've used uh, to do all of my, you know, 10-minute scores. <laughs> Incredible bass player came in and, and pulled it all together. So it was a challenging film in the post-process which is why I wanted to bring in Dirk to do this with me because uh, you know I figured that would be an interesting way of, uh, of talking about the film thanks for having me yeah no problem man <laughs> the whole thing was you know great experience for me working with you again and every, just the whole uh, yeah, every, yeah indescribable it was yeah, yeah. it was real nice Definitely want to send a shout out to uh, Peter Heller, producer of the film, who brought me this script by Mike Elliott, a, a great writer. And uh, we had many tough days in the trenches together, but uh, he's my main man. So thank you, Peter. You're here. I think people at Fox. Everyone. Everyone that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Had a good crew, a great, great group of people, and uh, I think we made a, a, a great film. I'm definitely proud of it, so thank you, my man. I'm proud too, man. Yeah. And uh, hope you all enjoyed the film. Yeah, this shit ain't clear. Y'all know how I matter. 
broke up, got back together to get her back. I had to sweat her, thought she rode with bad boys forever in many ways. Thank you for listening to Commentary. If you like the show, tell your friends. We think there's a lot to be learned from these recordings. Home video commentaries are insightful works that are becoming less and less accessible to viewers and should be preserved and shared. Commentary collects and presents classic and contemporary DVD commentaries in podcast form so you can listen to them wherever and whenever you want. This podcast was created as a public service for educational purposes and is not monetized. Thank you for listening to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.